Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Ephesians. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and follow along while I read beginning in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it might give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. As we have worked through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we have seen him talk about God's work in humanity how he had a plan from the beginning of time, and it worked itself out in Jesus. At the beginning of chapter 4, we see Paul change from talking about what God was doing in humanity to what God was doing in one particular group of people. The people whom he had called who had responded to that call that made up the body of Christ. And as we pick up the discussion in this section of Scripture, we see him talking about the individuals that make up that body. The first part of chapter 4 talked about the group collectively being a strong and healthy body. And starting now, he describes the individuals that make up that strong and healthy body. And he begins by saying, if you're going to be a part of the body of Christ, you cannot continue to think the way you used to. You used to have feudal minds. Those minds have to be renewed. And that renewal of mind will dictate the types of actions that you take. And as you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, you will see yourself fitting into that body of Christ because you have become the person that God intended you to be. In verse 19, he's discussing the people who 
are unwilling to be a part of the body of Christ. He refers to them as Gentiles and says that they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. In other places, Paul refers to this as living according to the flesh. And that just means that instead of being led by God's Spirit, these are people who are making their decision based on their own physical desires, based on what satisfies their senses, or even more correctly, what overstimulates their senses and causes them to crave that kind of stimulation. And they chase after that, and that plays into their decision-making rather than their submission to God. This isn't only sensual, it's also greedy. It's a determination to get what we want, regardless of the consequences. Paul says that's what it means to live according to the flesh. The problem with living that way, he says, is that it leads to ignorance and it leads to calluses on our hearts. Verses 18 and 19 speak to this. He says that they are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, and that is due to a hardness or a callous on their heart. The ignorance comes from being self-indulged. You can never know what you don't know. And if all you do is stay self-absorbed and chase after the things you want, you never learn the things of God. You never learn that there is a bigger and better way of living. Selfishness breeds ignorance because you're not aware of what's going on outside your own life. But it will also create calluses on your heart because you're not concerned about others. You're not concerned about the greater whole. You're only concerned about yourself. And the frustration that comes from other people not cooperating causes you to become hard-hearted and expect the worst and, and to put walls and barriers up between you and other people. Once that happens, it leads to something else that Paul calls a dark understanding of life. Verse 18 says, they are darkened in their understanding. When you have a dark view of life, or you don't understand life very well, or you don't understand what to expect in different situations, it can lead to stress and anxiety and frustration and irritability and maybe even shutting down completely and not participating in the life of a community. Paul describes a life led by the Spirit in exact opposite terms of those. This darkened understanding of life leads to a lot of the frustration that we have. And it happens because it's a life that is separated from God. Paul said they are alienated from the life of God. When you're separated from God, you're separated from the light. So it makes it difficult to see life the way he intends you to see it, which keeps you from making the decisions that are in your best interest. A life separated from God lacks light, which means that there's no truth. That truth is found in Jesus, and we miss out on the wisdom that comes from being connected to our Father. Paul asked his readers, why would you possibly think that way? Why would you possibly continue in your old bad habits? That's not how you learned the Messiah. Or in this translation, that's not the way you learned Christ. Writing in another place to another church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, 
Paul wrote, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. Paul's basically saying, we didn't learn Christ in a test tube. We didn't run a set of experiments and and, uh, determine the physical makeup of Christ to know that he was the Messiah. This was a spiritual thing. This was a spiritual experience that caused us to know Christ. It's similar to what the psalmist says about God in Psalm 46, verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. That verb to be still means to stop striving, to let go, to relax, and know that God is exactly who he says he is. The problem we have very often is that we limit our investigation to our own senses, and we seek to have those stimulated, and we hope that God works in those senses in a way that makes sense to us. And we expect that to come through our own effort and our own search and our own set of experiment, and and we will figure out who God is, and we will figure out the life that we need to live, and we will make ourselves do what God wants us to do. The Old Testament and the New Testament says, just relax. You don't have to work that hard. You don't even have to think that hard. You can stop striving. You can stop. Stop trying to figure it out yourself. Sit still and come to know God through the Spirit. Surrender to that. Follow that leading, and then you will know God, and you will know the Messiah. It doesn't come for you trying to achieve what you want for your life. It comes when you surrender to God and let Him do with your life what He wants. And that comes through His grace. And grace, we've talked about already in this study, uh, being the favors that God does for us. And certainly the biggest of those favors was to give us Jesus. And as we come to know that favor and the others that he's done for us and how they affect us and what they, we come to know God. It also comes through self-denial. In this section, Paul reminds them that part of their knowing the Messiah came from denying self, putting off the old self, not acting like those who had futility in their thinking. We're not worried about us. We're worried about what God wants for us, and we let him provide the results. We trust him to do what's in our best interest, which means that we will be walking by faith and not by sight. We're not giving in to our sense of sight in the physical realm. We are walking by faith. Just by way of reminder, faith is trusting God enough to do what he says. So when he asks us to love our enemy, when we look at that with our physical eyes, that doesn't make any sense. But when we can see with eyes of faith, when we trust God enough to do it his way, We come to see that it is better than seeking revenge or trying to teach someone a lesson. Paul goes on to describe this new self, and he says the new self is something that's righteous and holy. It is being recreated in the image of God. If you remember back to the Old Testament, when Adam and Eve were created, we were told that they were made in his likeness. 
That likeness became corrupted over the centuries of people doing what they wanted rather than what God wanted. And so God had done them a favor by giving them a way to escape that futility of thinking and rely on him and let him lead them to a better way of life and to a life that would go on forever with him. So this new self is righteous and holy. Righteous is one of those churchy words that just means doing the right thing. The new self is eager to do what God wants. And we do that through the power of the Spirit. And we're told here, don't make the Spirit sad. Give in to the Spirit. Follow the Spirit and allow that Spirit to make you holy. Holy, another church word, but it just means to be set apart for a particular purpose. The new self is committed to doing the right thing, following the Spirit's lead, and realizing that there is special work to be done by those who are a part of the body of Christ, that God is using us for His purposes. Paul also lets us know that the new self offers kind words and has a forgiving heart. Paul says, don't let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Only say things that are good for building others up as it fits the occasion so that it may give grace to those who hear. When Paul says this, he doesn't mean you can't ever joke around, you can't ever have fun. He makes the point, whatever fits the occasion. Sometimes building someone up and encouraging them, it means making them laugh. What's appropriate for the occasion? He said, your word should bring grace to those who hear them. We just talked about the grace that God had given us, the favors that he has done for us. When people talk with us, do they feel like we've done them a favor? Or do they feel like we've imposed on them, irritated them, angered them? Our words are supposed to cause them to feel like we've done them a great favor by sharing what we have. He also mentions the forgiving heart. Our heart should be like his. We should forgive one another the way God has forgiven us. We talk about the free and unconditional gift that God has given us in Jesus and the redemption and forgiveness of sin that comes through that. And Paul himself has already said that's a gift, not because of anything that we've done to deserve it. Yet when people wrong us, we're very tempted to force them to do certain things to earn our forgiveness, to ease our sense of right and wrong, to set things right, to make things fair. That is not the way God forgave us. We're called to have the same kind of forgiving heart that God has. And so Paul has let us know that it's not in the futility of our own thinking where we chase after what pleases us and what fulfills our desires that gives us satisfaction, fulfillment, and redemption in this life. It's giving grace and forgiveness to others so that we come to understand Jesus himself and become a part of his work in ministry as a healthy part of the body of Christ. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.